Good morning, everyone. We are Facebook Live. We wanted to bring this awesome episode of Deep Dive Wholesale to you. Now, we have a lot of people in the room, very exciting as well. The, we got some Hilco people and some people that want to get in the real estate space have some questions. There we go. Uh, but we're doing this Facebook Live so we can interact with you. We want to make sure that you can uh, ask some questions, you can leave some comments, throw some emoji love in there, tell us what market you're from. But this is a two-way street. We want to be helping you if you can't physically be here. So today we have uh, a very exciting um, guest here. His name is Enrique Callender. And uh, Enrique, you're trying to get into the real estate business, wholesaling. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why wholesaling kind of interests you? Um, Enrique Callender, um, been in San Antonio for over 30 years. Uh, wholesaling, I am interested in wholesaling um, because I ultimately want to become an entrepreneur. Okay. Uh, I've worked with three different entrepreneurs. Um, I've been trained um, how to delegate, um, how to build uh, a business. Um, and after a period of time, after watching them, I, you know, I deep down decided, decided, you know, I, I think I could do that myself. And I want to own own real estate also. It's your time to shine, huh? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> So you've worked for a number of different entrepreneurs, business people, and over the course of this time, as much as you've learned from them and you've helped them, you've internalized that now I want to build my own company. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And real estate is a way that you feel that you can accomplish this. Yeah. Yeah. After um, just watching a lot of YouTube, uh, doing research, um, just seeing certain individuals as far as what process they went through, um, something inside just you know, it's like, you know, I think I could do that. That's that's doable. And um, Was there a particular video or a particular book, or was it over a period of time? It was just over a period of time and just seeing different videos and overall just getting, just, they had the same message overall. You know, they started somewhere. They they had an idea. They, they wanted to, to own. They found a mentor, and uh, they just kind of, you know, took it step by step, slowly but surely, and yeah. Well, we love real estate. Uh, my wife's in the room too, Hillary and I, we're all about real estate, it's in our blood. We have a, a small little girl, her, her name is Elliot, she's two years old, so it's gonna be part of her blood as she grows up as well. Um, but okay, so you're interested in real estate, you see that as your, uh, your option to set up the life you've always wanted for yourself. Yeah. Why wholesaling? Why not flipping? Why not renting? Why not owner financing or other methods in the real estate realm? Uh, wholesaling seems like a, just the <coughs> easiest way to go without putting too much, investing too much money. Okay. Um, so not too much investment and you right. can get into it. Yeah, and, and that's the situation. Realistically, that's, that's where I'm at. And there's not very much risk either. Yeah, so... Um, I figure, you know, that's that's the best place uh, to start. Okay. Yeah. Uh, by the way, when we contract our properties, we contract them for ten dollars. So that's our investment on these on these deals. So not very much at all. If you got ten dollars, if you're buying lunch today, don't eat lunch. Save that money, and you can contract the house and turn it into hundreds of thousands of dollars. So. That's right. Eat at home. Eat at home. Don't skip lunch. Eat that. Okay. Do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. Eat at home. Skip lunch. Whatever you got. Save that ten dollars. Give one dollar. We got a mic over here, so you know the motley crew over here. You can take the nap. Okay. 
All right, so let's get into it. Let's ask some questions. Again, this is a two-way street. Now, we're going to take time to talk to Enrique. We're going to deep dive into his situation, answer his personal questions, and really try and give him true feedback. But the reality is we want to make this an opportunity for you so that we can answer your questions, give you feedback, and help. Now, there's going to be two parts of the show here. First part is all focus on Enrique to kind of give a deep dive into his situation and help him uh, with what he needs. But then the second half of the show, we're going to bring up some of our Hillco people, and it's just a free-for-all. It's a panel for you to ask any and every question. We want to give you some true, real value. So throw us some love, throw an emoji in there, and ask us your questions so we can interact with you. So let's get into it, Enrique. What are some questions that you got? Um, realistically, like where to start? How do I find people who want to sell their properties? Okay. Not just any person that wants to sell but a motivated seller, okay? okay? Somebody that's be willing to sell at a discounted price point yeah. so that you can, you know, do a, do a deal. So how to find them? Yeah. What were, how, are you currently doing anything? Did you have a thought process? What were you planning on doing? Uh, I, you know, realistically, I've seen signs. I mean, from, from the research that I've seen, I mean, signs is really the only thing that I I think that I can do that will work. Okay. I mean, putting out signs, and I'm not sure about that as far as legally where to put them, what time to put them out, how frequently to put them out. Okay, so um, bandit signs was your yeah, approach. Yeah. Okay, you're in San Antonio. Uh, the bandit signs that we purchase is from a company called Regal Plastics. They're off of Ritterman Road, so write that down, Regal Plastics. You're looking for a 24 by 14 Coroplast sign. We personally like the 12, or excuse me, we like the yellow signs, but you can get white. Uh, I think they have other color options, but yellow and white are the main ones. We get 24 by 18, so they're more horizontal rather than the vertical ones, so you can let them know on that. If you just say bandit signs, they have so many people that buy from them, they'll know what you're talking about. Now, a bandit sign itself at, in lower quantities is going to cost $1.25. But if you buy in higher quantities, that price goes down. And then you'll need a step stake. A step stake is a little uh, wire uh, frame that you put the sign on, and then you can put it in the ground. That costs a dollar. So a total sign and step stake is $2.25. Okay? That can go pretty far away. Um, but there's some ways that you can, the step stakes, some people don't do any stakes at all. They'll get some like roofing nails, which are the nails with the plastic washer around them, and then they'll you know, hammer them into uh, wooden poles. So you can skip on that, and that's another way to reduce costs. Or you can go to like Lowe's or Home Depot and get a wooden stake bundle for a cheaper amount, and you can just do wooden stakes. That's another approach as well. But uh, Juan, he, you said bandit signs, so he, he had to say something over here. So what, what do you got for us, Juan? Yeah, you know me. They call me the great big mouth. I got to open up my mouth. Um, no, so actually one of the best ways, one of the most... Uh, efficient ways to get started apart from bandit signs is uh, I've got a couple suggestions for you. One being literally reach out to every you have Facebook, social media, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Uh, reach out to all your friends, family, um, everybody that you know and just tell them what you're doing, right? Because they might there might be a lead there, right, that you don't know about. It just recently happened. One of our acquisitions trainees asked me, he said, hey, uh, sister-in-law, doesn't live in her house she wants to get rid of it i looked at it real quick and i said yeah that's a lead let's go let's go chase it down 
And it was he didn't even realize that it was in his pipeline, yeah. right? He didn't even realize that it was already there, and it was such an easy deal. And uh, there's like a $6,000 fee on it, right? So it, that's the best way. If you tell people what you're doing, your friends, your family, everybody, yeah. and the more people that know that what you're doing, the more chances are that they're going to think, oh, there's a house for sale. Let me call Enrique. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or I'm selling my cousin selling his house. Let me call Enrique. That and... Um, uh, Craigslist. Craigslist is one of the best ways to go out there and and just post ads. Hey, I'll buy your house. If you're or, on a budget, things like that. Yeah, if you're on a budget. Yeah, yeah. If, if if you're on a budget, that's balling on a budget, right? Okay. If you're doing that, Craigslist, Facebook, telling everybody, just networking, spreading the word is the, is one of the best ways to do it. Okay. So. Right. Good. Good feedback. So we have some uh, questions, comments here in the Facebook feed. We were trying to get to them, but Juan just loves so, to really go into depth. So, so we, we have a whole bunch of, uh, of people, but I just wanted to follow up with Juan real quick to ask you guys, what, what would you say to, when you're just introducing yourself, Juan and Marco, what would you say to differentiate yourself from like realtors? Like you, you know, Enrique is brand new. So what would he say? Like you can't just say, I'm looking for houses, right? Well, you can. I mean, a lot of people will try a, different, a lot of different approaches. Um, if you're not an agent, don't say that you're an agent. Um, but you, if you are an agent, you have to say you're an agent. You need to disclose. You need to have them uh, sign off on an IABS, which is information about broker services. Um, but you can just say, hey, I'm looking in the area. I'm wanting to get into real estate investing. I saw your house, and I would like to make an offer on your house for you. Um, you know, have you considered selling those type of things? Some people take the approach of, "Hey, I'm a big cash buyer. I'll buy it cash. Take you know, two day, uh, two week close, that kind of thing." You know, you can can you can get caught if you're trying to showboat and you're not really backing what you're saying. So you know, I always try and take the approach rather than like a corporate company. I'm done all these different deals. I try and connect with the people on an individual basis. Hey. I was just driving around, saw your house, I love the area, thought your house was a great potential, I have a vision of what I would like to do with it, you know, have you considered selling it? And if you can keep it and raise some private money or get a loan, I would say try and keep it. But if you're trying to wholesale it, we tell our uh, sellers what we're doing. Hey, we work with a network, network of investor uh, partners, investor buyers. Uh, we contract and we would sell our rights on that contract. Um, but we'll make sure what we contract with you is what you're going to get. So let's make sure that you're comfortable with that, that price point. All right, we got another question. I got a question or a comment and a question from the uh, audience. I don't know this person, HW, HWR, I'll say. Do you have more all, time or money? All he, needs is, uh, all he needs is initials. Do you have more time or money? That's the first oh, question. Oh, they're asking you. They're asking you. That's me. Uh, oh. It's WR. Okay, an alias. Oh, do you have, uh, I guess, more time? More time? Yeah. That's how most people start. So then what you want to focus on are the free avenues or the low-cost avenues. So what um, Juan was saying earlier is perfect. Actually, Facebook is probably the most underrated tool that we've been trying to use more and more of. We connected or you knew about this through Facebook. The people here knew about through Facebook. We have connected with new investors or even investors that were already on our list that you know, we might have messaged them, they didn't see it, but then they're on Facebook and then they see a message or whatever and they reach out to us. So Facebook is a huge tool. I've been seeing 
people do this more and more often. They'll go out to an abandoned house, a boarded up house, and do a Facebook Live right there at the house and say, hey, friends and family, I've been saying for weeks that I'm trying to get into real estate. This is the type of house I'm looking for. Here, look at it. Notice how there's boards in the windows. Notice how there's missing uh, uh, shingles. Notice how the mini blinds are all messed up. The yards overgrown. If you see houses like this on your way to HEB, please message me. Just all I need you to do is send me the address. That would really help me out. And you would get leads that way. Okay. Now, to go back to Bandit Signs, Bandit Signs is also pretty low cost. But if you're going to do it, I would suggest that you do it, put out at least a goal of 300 or more. Don't just buy like 20 and then think you're going to get a deal out of that. 300 to 500 is a good goal. Putting out uh, bandit signs every single week, like 50 every week yeah. until you've done all 500 or 300 would be a good goal. Yeah. Now, they're not legal. You asked that earlier. They're not legal unless you get, um, the sit you get the permit from the city. Now, those are pretty expensive. I don't know what they cost now. They're like $8 a pop. So that, on top of what you're already paying, is really ineffective uh, or doesn't cost the price point doesn't work. So you have to be mindful of that. If you choose to put out bandit signs, what most people do is they choose to do it in Friday evenings because the code compliance don't work on the weekends. So you have longevity with your signs. We had another question? Yeah, so Matt Smith at, or says, he has a whole bunch of ideas. By the way, these are, all, all over it. these are all lead generation. So um, Enrique, if you watch this video, we're actually recording now. Watch yourself. We're, yeah, watch mm -hmm. yourself. We're going to have later on in the live video some uh, of our lead generation course. We just created, or Marco just created a 60-plus course all on how to generate leads, everything you need to know. And, and Matt is giving some ideas. You're like the, some of the first people to know about it. Yeah, and Matt is giving the ideas of you can go, you know, to get more leads for your houses, delinquent and tax list, code violations, you go to your mailman. You can actually talk to your mailman about it. Um, and you can call for rent ads or some of his ideas. And there's a lot of ideas on how to do this. Yeah, okay. All right. Do you want to talk about that more or did you want to get into another question? Um, I think I'm, I'm good with that. On, on the other side of that was how to find buyers. Buyers. And investors. Um, okay. So let's assume you got a contract. We're trying to find a buyer to move it. Honestly, you need to be looking for buyers before you even get the contract, okay? okay. Even when you have a lead and you're, not, you're in negotiation phase and you're not quite to a contract, if you have a few people on your list on your phone that you can call or text, just say, hey, I have this lead. It's coming up. Um, you know, I'm pretty close to a contract. I'm pretty sure I'll, it'll probably land around this price. Are you interested in that area? Is this zip code, would it work for you? And you can even, if you really want to get into specifics, you can have the specifics of that, that address and have them look at it. Um, that's based on what you're comfortable with. I've had situations where I'll have buyers, whenever I go to a walkthrough in a house, I don't have it contracted yet, I'll invite two, three other investors to that walkthrough with me. We'll all walk through it together. I'll, I'll be done with the seller. They're in the house. I'll go in the front yard with the investors. I'll talk to the investors, find out what they would buy it for, and then I go inside and then I close the deal at a price I know will work, and I lock it all up right there on the spot. So that's one, okay. one technique. But honestly, Facebook is your biggest tool. You, you should go into the search bar of Facebook. By the way, everybody watching, if you don't have a buyer's list, do this, okay? 
Go into the search bar of Facebook and type in real estate, real estate wholesaling, real estate investing, all the different combinations of keywords that you can think of, and you're gonna have all these groups come up. Join like at least 40 of them. Make a list of 40 Facebook groups, and then you can kind of post in those groups, hey, who buys in this zip code? Who, who's looking for a flip? Who's looking for a rental? And start building your list that way. And if you want to take even extra credit, if you really have a lot of time and maybe not the money, go into some old posts, and there's other people that have already been doing this, and they'll say, hey, leave your email, and I'll send you my deal. And you can go into that comment section and get like, 20 emails, 50 emails, and you already got a list. Boom, oh, right, okay. pre-built. Yeah. Additionally, I would suggest you go to networking events. People here, you have the opportunity to network, but bigger events than this, yeah. where you can interact with people. Clearly, they went to that event for a particular reason. They're trying to learn about investing. They're involved in invest, investing in some capacity. And you can interact with them, and you can either, maybe they're your buyer, or maybe they know somebody that buys. Yeah. All you need is one buyer, one solid buyer, and you're good. Felt good with that one? Yeah, yeah. And if you got questions, keep, keep them rolling. Matt, appreciate you uh, jumping in there with helping out. Enrique, what's your next question, Enrique? Let me see. Also, door knocking. Okay. Um, that's something that I pretty much feel comfortable with because I'm pretty You're much old school. You're comfortable with that? Yeah, oh, definitely. Dang, good. Because I'm old Most school. Most people aren't. So yeah, good. I'm more old school, like door knocking and also uh, like cold callings, you know, working for West Telemarketing, yeah. um, that sort of thing. Uh, we were subcontractors for AT&T, so we did a lot of door knocking, um, changing plans. So that's, that's, so how, hmm. so we can't do that, of course, like in an abandoned, you know, or somewhere this, where someone doesn't live, but how do we go about door knocking or where do we go or, I mean, what do you, as far as looking at the neighborhood, I mean. Sure. So first off, you can, there's a few approaches. You can buy a list. When people door knock, a very common strategy is to get like a pre-foreclosure list or a pre-tax foreclosure list. Okay. So those are properties that are going to the foreclosure steps within a certain period of time, whether the next month or two months out or whatever. So those are all generally motivated. When you pair that with door knocking, you can be a lot more effective because a lot of people will mail to that list, they'll do a lot of other things, but not yeah. too many people door knock. Well, th yeah. those are opportunities. That's a difficult one because they're going to be standoffish. Yeah, yeah. Though another approach is if you're just doing general driving for dollars, you're going to yeah. compile a list of properties. If you research those properties in the county website, not all of them are going to be, um, you know, a lot of those addresses will be the same addresses. Yeah. Some of those addresses will be owners in different states, but there'll be a pocket of those properties where the owner has a different uh, mailing address, and it's, it's also in the city. So then that would probably be the homestead of the owner that you can go knock on their door. Okay. So that's another approach. But we got Juan over here. You said okay. door knocking. He's a door knocking pro. He had to come over here and say something. He's just looking for any reason, to be quite honest. So. I just, I just want to be, I just want to be on the mic. Can I move this down a little bit? See, is that he's all right? already getting demanding. Look, pretty soon he's going to do is that a comedic right? routine. You have to, un you have to twist it. Is the problem? This right here. The other one. This one right here. And then you have to twist it back. It's because it's kind of like all up in my face, and I'm not okay with that. Is that okay? Cool. So you, you didn't even move it, man. You just yeah, did. It was it was right. It was right, oh, yeah. it was right okay, here. It was like right inches. here, covering these that. beautiful eyes right here, okay. like these amazing <laughs> eyes. All right, right. All right. What do you so, got? So yeah. So I did start my set. Uh, I 
was in sales for a long time, and I started that career in door knocking. Yeah. I did a lot of door-to-door sales. I made some pretty good money doing that. Yeah. But one of the things that you can do apart from what Marco was saying was um, you see a vacant house, right? And a lot of the times our for sale by owner sign and, and or whatever it may be, I just go knock on the neighbor's house, right? That's big. Just ask uh, them about okay. it. The neighbor's house. Yeah. Yes. Most people don't do that. Some, yeah, definitely. If you knock on the neighbor's house, you'd be surprised how much information they know. Oh, yeah, they're selling their house and they've been trying to sell it for three years. Apart from that, you know, this person's over there selling their house and they own three houses and all of a sudden you're walking away with five leads, yeah. right? Um, so you'd be surprised how much the neighbors know. Yeah. Apart from that, you might actually run into a neighbor that actually owns the house. Um, I recently uh, I recently picked up an investment uh, not far away from here downtown where the owner lived two houses down. She like okay. so I picked that up from uh, from a different list, but it, had I driven that neighborhood and gone door knocking and knocked on a couple of neighbors, you know the, the front neighbor would have told me, oh yeah, I remember because I went to go put a for sale sign on it after I bought it. Yeah. Right. And the neighbor's like, that's not your house. That's her house. And I was like, no, I just bought this. But the neighbor would have, you know, if I had knocked across the street, the neighbor would have said, oh, yeah, the owner's over there. I think she's trying. She's been trying to sell it. So knocking on the neighbor's house is big time because they they know a lot more than most people think. And I mean, it's not it's not really um, if you just approach with confidence. I mean, if you've knocked doors, you know, if you just approach with confidence and yeah. say, hey, I'm an investor. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, as soon as you say that, hey, I'm not trying to sell you anything. Yeah. They're gonna they're they're gonna be less standoffish yeah. about it. They're gonna drop their guards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So knocking on neighbors' doors, going to their houses, going you know doing the skip tracing research on uh, TruePeopleSearch.com. That's a good one. Uh, you can find out where they live currently, uh, or even on the county records, and just go knock on their door. That's re- that's that's big time because most people don't do that. Most okay. people don't like knocking doors, especially in San Antonio heat. So, oh, okay. so it's you should definitely do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. And, and quick bonus tip. Uh, if you check out our friends at Stop Flipping, you go to Stop Flipping on Facebook, they actually have a uh, course on owner financing, and I helped produce their course. They have over 100 videos, and it turns out in one of their videos we had one uh, do a little acting. He was the neighbor that we questioned. I'm a great actor. He was a great, that was his <laughs> acting debut, so a little quick side note. Okay, so what, what else you got for us, Enrique? And I appreciate everyone watching. We only got like... Five more minutes here with Enrique. So had a couple statements, just okay. FYI, I wanted to give some shout-outs. So Alexander Estrada said, I can get tax delinquents at a courthouse. He was asking a question if he can get that. Um, and then Hernando said, uh, Propelio has pre-foreclosure lists. Um, and Hernando said, knock on the doors on the homes you have contracts on, and you may want to step back away from the door and smile. So a, a little yeah. networking or a little door knocking tip yeah. is don't like be up in the face of everybody. Like, hey, <laughs> make sure you knock and step back and smile. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, uh, the answer to Alex's question is yes, but you can also buy it online if you do some searching. Okay. All right. Um, that's, well, the listing that we do purchase, are, are they fairly reasonable as far as the prices, or I mean, uh, or it depends on the list that you're getting, but you can expect maybe like a hundred dollars for a little bit under a thousand leads, depending on what okay. type of list that you have. Yeah. And then if you choose the mail out to that list, there's going to be a lot of them that the mail is undeliverable; it'll be return mail. So then you constantly every list you work with, you got to whittle down, whittle down. Uh, a lot of people will hire VAs to do different scraping on different lists. 
Um, you can also take get multiple lists and then overlap them and see which properties come up on both lists, and then there's a higher chance of that being a potential right there. What, okay. what other comment do we got? So we got, a, we got a good little question here for you guys, or for you, Marco, and I think this will be helpful. John Chadwell. John, have you, have you talked to before on the show? Do you know John Chadwell? I don't know. I have to see his Okay, program. well, welcome, John. Welcome. Uh, John asks, finding the properties is legwork, of course, and takes time. So how does a person find the best fit investors for a property? You know, to make sure you're not wasting all that legwork, right? So the uh, simplest way to approach it is the all-in formula, okay? So most investors want to buy at 70% all in. So what that means is you take the value of the property. If you don't have access to MLS, Zillow is a good ballpark. It's not accurate, not all the time accurate, but it's a good ballpark. You can get the value from Zillow, multiply that by 70%, and then subtract a repair estimate from that number, and then you have the price an investor will pay. Now, that's the standard formula for most investors. However, the market and the climate that we're in, prices have been pushing up. I've seen Property sell in the 75% all-in, the 78% all-in, 80% all-in, and even in some cases higher than that. Um, that's, that's one approach. Other investors might look at particular cash flow or cash on cash returns. Ultimately, it comes down to as you're buying your, as you're building your buyers list, have actual conversations with these buyers. Find out what they're looking for. How do they evaluate it? Can I just take a few moments to find out how you look at a deal. Or do you use an Excel spreadsheet? Do you, do you have a formula that I can look at and use to kind of evaluate this? You're approaching it from how can I better serve you as the investor so I can bring you deals that would work for you, which ultimately is gonna help your bottom line. But hey, you might learn something yourself. You might learn how they look through investor eyes yeah. at a property that down the road you may purchase, you may acquire, and you can be that investor. So that would be the answer to that question. Great, that was, that was John or Josh? John, John Chadwell. John Chadwell. Mr. Chadwell, thank you. That was a great question. Appreciate it. Appreciate you watching. What else you got for us, Enrique? I can't think of anything right now off the top of my head. Um, it's, it's all the bright lights. Um, also, on average, how long does it normally take to close on a deal? Or I guess does it depend when, on the individual? You're, it, it, yo, everything depends. Depends on the deal, depends on effort, depends on time, depends on budget, all, all kinds of variables. Now, when you're first... When you're first starting out, what I would give you proper expectations for you to have is um, what you would make is anywhere from three to five grand. That's a good average. Some are lower, some are higher, okay? You'll see people posting checks of 10 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand, and you know, all, it's all amazing, but that's not a good expectation for you, okay? Three to five grand is a good assignment fee, and when you're first starting out, give yourself at least three months, okay? That's a good expectation. Some people get it immediately. Two weeks, they get it done. One month, they get it done. But you want to look at it conservatively and, and then work on your process from there. Looks like we have a comment here. I was just going to say, since I didn't want to get up, um, that... You don't get to see her. You just get to hear that her. That closing, it really... Oh, we see. You can move oh, as quickly okay. as closing within a week, a couple of days, or it could take a while. Um, it really just depends on the scenario and of title. Like, if title's not clear, um, you might have to go through a lot of hurdles just to get clear title. So really, it just depends on the scenario. She handles all of our contracts and deals with all the title companies that we deal with. So, she, of course, she had to bring up title in, in the conversation. It's too hard to, to 
to judge. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you, when I first started, it took me a long time to get a deal. Uh, and even when I was getting my first few deals, I was only making like $1,000 on these deals because I was, I was shy. I didn't know what I was doing. The investors kind of bullied me a little bit. Um, but I was still glad to just do the deal. Some profit was better than no profit. And I learned from that, and I progressed from that. And you know, over time, you get better. Uh, but that's why we have a negotiation course to help you out with that so okay. you, don't, you can make more than 1000 What you got? I, I feel like that's a show. Investors bully me, or in, in oh, bull, yeah. bully investors, something yeah, like that. They, they bully um, me. By the way, do you have any more before we move in? We're going to move in, by the way, everybody, to a, a lead generation video that we haven't released yet. So we're going to pr provide, keep watching this live video or the replay, and we're going to actually show you two videos, including a really special technique on what to be looking for when you're driving for dollars. So stay tuned for some really great content that uh, the, the team Put, and then we're going to also have another segment in just a few minutes. So back to you guys. All right. So any final questions, final thoughts? Um, I don't know if this kind of goes along with this, but I, I remember researching, like, creating an LLC. Mm -hmm. Do you need to do that? Is that necessary? Or is that, that is just, not necessary. No? You should eventually when you okay. have the funds. And it's going to cost, if you do it yourself, cost you $300, okay? Okay. Um, but you don't have to do that. Uh, if you, you can do it all in your personal name if you want to. You know, you'll incur higher tax. Um, it's not the most optimum way to do it, but you sh that should not be stopping you. If, if you're in your head, you're like, I don't want to do anything until I have my LLC in place, uh, that's, that's an excuse in your head. Don't do that. You need, what you need to do is take action, start moving forward. You never know what can come about, and then uh, you can incorporate the LLC. You can also do a do biz, uh, DBA, doing business as, I think that's like $15. And you just go down to the county clerk and set that up. Okay. Um, that's about it right now, yeah. Okay. Well, um, those are some good questions. We'll give you some more feedback. We're going to go into the second part of the show, so we'll give you a little breather so you can think about it. You might have some more questions. And we're also going to take questions from the people in the room as well as your questions here, okay? The second half of the show, we're gonna have uh, some key individuals from the Hillco team answering your questions, so you'll get different perspectives, different insights, and different feedback. Uh, so, like Kirk said, we're releasing this uh, lead gen video. Enjoy that, thank you. I'm Marco Romero, and in this video, what to expect, I want to show you the two secret numbers, five and 10, that's going to lead to you building a six-figure business, but also be building on, on your way to a seven-figure business. So what can you expect from this course? This course is about lead generation. Lead generation is the lifeblood of your business. The more leads that you bring in, the more contracts you're closing. So this first number is, should be your first goal. That is to get to five contracts every single month. So we're gonna show you how to get the five contracts every single month from five different lead sources. Bandit signs, driving for dollars, direct mail, co-wholesaling, and networking. We're gonna show you how to do that, but if you get into the nitty gritty, you watch every single video and you take excellent notes and watch them over and over again, 
you'll get some advanced techniques and tactics to get the most out of each lead source so that you're not just closing five deals a month, you're closing 10 deals a month, uh, 10 deals a month, which is double digits. When you're at the double digits time frame, you're looking at a, a business that's coming close to the seven figure mark. That's what you need to be doing. That's what you need to be focusing on. You got step one, step two. So enjoy the course. Um, building your reputation is a low cost way to really build your brand. Mm -hmm. um, so it, there isn't just one best way that I think. Uh, we, we touched on some of it, building the managing expectations, being honest, your follow through, all of that kind of plays into it. But I think if you look at it holistically as building your brand through building your reputation, you'll be successful. Because when you're first starting out, your brand is you. Exactly, you, and, and that's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing else. So you're only as good as what you've done. And if you haven't done anything, you better have a good heart. <laughs> that's it, man. And yeah. that, that's another like long-term play too. So I love that. I love that. It's a. Uh, what was that? Building your brand is not building your reputation, but building your reputation. reputation. Build your brand. Correct. That's that's that's. A, I've never heard that. That's good. All right, so hopefully that was fun and entertaining. Maybe you can get a little excited about it. So just to tell you, in the, we have a negotiation course right now, 50 videos, not just the Hilco team, but actual business owners, wholesalers across the nation talking about how to negotiate with buyers and sellers. We're selling that for $97. You're welcome to purchase that. Uh, we have some free videos out there too for you to check out. We're working on another course uh, with my main man, Quentin Flores and a few others. Uh, that's gonna be a lead generation course. That'll come out in the August timeframe. So we're coming up on that. There's like two questions. Why don't you just go with that? Okay. So uh, we got Hillary here, my wife and partner, <laughs> the one that makes it happen and was the beautiful voice from earlier. And then we have Juan who made sure to get his voice in there. Always. Yeah. We also have the Hilco team. We'll have people answering or asking questions. So we want to answer your questions. So let's start out by answering. Um, some questions here. So Alex, his question was, what kind of list can you get from the courthouse? All kinds of different lists. Uh, you can get the foreclosure list, you can get tax foreclosure lists, um, you can get probate lists, eviction lists, eviction lists. you can get code compliance, code compliance, yeah. I mean, um, everything. Pretty much everything you can think of. And a lot of people like to look for particular documents that are filed. So, for instance, if you buy the Propelio subscription, um, they're looking for the uh, appointment, a substitute uh, trustee, which is kind of like a document that needs to be filed a little bit early in the foreclosure process. So that's something to look at. And let's see here. This question from, and thank you, Alex, for asking that, by the way. So we have Gladys, bandit signs. Where do you think we should get those from? So like, Mar like Marco mentioned earlier, um, there's a diff couple of different ways you can get bandit signs. We always purchase ours through Regal Plastics, which is off of 35 and Ritterman. That's in San Antonio. Um, here in San Antonio. Um, but you, I mean, you could go to you Lowe's can, or wherever. Yeah. Uh, I've seen signs made out of cardboard. Mm -hmm. So uh, that homeless person you see on the corner, just take their sign and flip it over and you can use that free sign. Uh, no, uh, but you can also order online. Just do some Google searching. There's several companies that actually operate specifically in that business. You can even have the signs printed with particular logo or verbiage and even your phone number and they'll actually ship it to you. 
So that's another approach as well. A lot of the bigger companies that buy more in bulk take that kind of strategy. I've also used a lot of uh, back way back when I was uh, first starting for banded signs, I would use these big old pieces of styrofoam and I'd cut them into four, right? Maybe two, maybe two or four. And I'd write my sign on there and I'd go with a staple gun and just staple, staple them on the, the light posts and things like that when I didn't have enough money to get the, the, the good quality banded signs, I would put those on. I put those out every week actually. Um, or even sometimes when I was super broke, just like big old sheets of construction, they don't stay for very long, like big old sheets of white construction paper. They don't stay for very long, so you gotta keep putting them up, but they're really inexpensive and it's easy to, it's easy to cut those in half or cut them into four, so. Um, did you generate any leads that way? I did, with, I generated. With the construction paper. I did, I, I generated. Um, those sellers I just felt, felt bad for you. They're yeah, like, yeah, they're like, wow, this guy, this guy needs my money. <laughs> like, this guy needs to, this guy needs to make money. No, uh, yes, I mean, you would get, I, I think I generated maybe like two or three leads, solid leads that we ended up closing on uh, from those. Uh, but yeah, definitely if you wanna, if, you're, if you can't afford, if you can't even afford, like I couldn't, the, the, the real signs, the ones from, you know, the Regal Plastics and whatnot, you can just improvise is what I would do. Mm -hmm. is the best way you can. Uh, Cardboard boxes, like you said. Yeah. Uh, again, we appreciate everyone that's in here watching. We got Gladys, we got Mark, we got Paul. We have quite a number of different people. The whole point of this is we want to answer your questions. We want to give value to you. You know, getting into wholesaling is not easy, man. It is hard. Is it easy or hard? It's hard. It's, it's really hard. It took hard. me six months it's, to do my first deal. It is deal. fucking hard, okay? So we are trying to make it easier for you. You know, when I was get, first getting started, there wasn't as much information out there, and you know, even with the information that was out there, videos and, and books and stuff, you're trying to figure this out on your own. You're trying to listen to this video and then apply it to your life, to your budget, your situation, and it's difficult. So we have our team here, we have other people in the room. We wanna give you feedback, we wanna help you. So ask your questions, we're here for a limited amount of time, we wanna answer your questions, okay? So let's see what we got here. Uh, oh, this is great. So Aaron says, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen signs with no phone number on how to contact them. So Bandit Signs 101, <laughs> if you're going to write a Bandit sign, make sure you at least put your phone number on there. Maybe your Twitter handle or some way they, they can contact you, but that's the most critical part. You got to make sure they can, uh, they can reach out to you. Okay. Another question we have from Gladys. Uh, by the way, I've seen a lot of uh, feedback from you. Thank you, Gladys. What's the best way for a realtor to do wholesaling? Should I open my own investor business as I am broker licensed? So I'll give you my, my um, thought process on this. When I first was getting into real estate, I was not specifically trying to become a wholesaler. I wanted to become an investor. I wanted to have a portfolio with cash flowing properties. I had the opportunity to become a real estate agent and I saw it as a great, great option for my goal, which was to become a real estate investor. The reason is because I was working with investors who were buying properties and for me, just getting started, this was a perfect opportunity to watch how they evaluated a deal, which properties they were looking at, what areas, how did they look at it, how did they uh, look at the numbers, when there was a problem in the inspection, how they handled it, when there was fires during the title process, you know, how did they do that? It was a great opportunity to learn. Now, from a wholesaling perspective, there are a lot of uh, 
people who are licensed, but there's a lot of people who aren't. You do not need to have your license to be able to contract a property and sell your rights on that contract. Though, uh, there's kind of a, a give and take. If you're a real estate agent, you have to do more disclosures, there's more forms that you need to fill out, and you're held to a higher standard because you hold a license. There's certain regulations within the state. Now, if you don't um, have a, the other benefit though to having a license is, and I was mentioning this earlier, is um, you have the opportunity to generate income in other ways. So, hey, you might be trying to do some wholesaling deals, but you know they don't, they're not coming consistently, you need to make extra income. Well, can you do a listing? Can you work with a buyer client? Can you do a rental? Can you hold an open house? It's another opportunity to generate income within the same realm of real estate. But having your license and doing agent work typically is not in the same realm as investing. So. That's my uh, thought process on that. Do you have any comments on that? No? I, I'm not a realtor. Not, so. not really. I mean, I still do retail sales outside of Hillco. Um, just, I don't really do it full time, just when I have friends or family that need my services. Um, but it is an additional way to bring an in income, so I'll take what I do get, but I don't go like looking for active retail leads. Um, but you do have to do a lot of disclosures with, with wholesaling if you are an agent. So our company with Hillco, we have to disclose, all of the acquisition partners have to disclose that I am a licensed uh, realtor here in Texas, but I'm also the owner of Hillco Homes. So it's just extra steps that you need to do if you're going to do both. So let me ask you this. I have some questions for you. Okay. Are you ready? Sure. Are you prepared? <laughs> okay, so you handle... You're the owner, you do a lot of everything, but a lot of the focus that you have is uh, our contracts, mm -hmm. the title process. We call it closing coordinating. Right. So you deal with a lot of the title company. Most people don't think about that part of the process. They're more focused on finding the motivated sellers and finding the buyers. But a big chunk of that is getting clear title and being able to get to the closing right. table. How would you suggest uh, people find a good title company to work with on these type of files? I would say that probably the best way is to just ask other wholesalers or realtors even who they use for title companies because in this business, you're always working with a title company. Um, you might want to even just interview, reach out to a couple of different title companies and have a conversation. Not all title companies will do uh, wholesaling transactions. Not all will do double assignments, so you really have to find out which ones you can go to. And some of them too, they might do assignments, but they only go up to like a certain percentage of the of the sales price. So you want to just make sure. So some of the uh, some of the transactions we're closing right now are really large, and so those we wouldn't qualify with certain title companies just because the the assignment fee is way too big. Um, so it really just depends. I would I would reach out to people who are doing the same things and find who they use, who they recommend, and kind of go from there. And then at that point, you can start building your own list once you've done a couple of deals and maybe try different people out each time. Uh, you would say here in San Antonio, the, the companies we've done the most deals with is obviously Alamo Title, but uh, Excel Title too? Excel Title, yes. Okay. Um, we've run into a few issues with Trinity Title. We love people at Trinity Title, but for our Trinity business... Trinity Title is great if you're a realtor, yes. but Trinity Title, they do not do wholesale transactions, so be mindful of that. And I think maybe Independence Title doesn't do double assignments. Chicago Title was also 
uh, problematic at some point. The one office of Chicago <laughs> title we dealt with was a problem yeah. office. Doesn't mean all a Chicago title. Okay, so what do we got, Enrique? Uh, question. Uh, when you do close, on are you sure you don't need to move the mic like oh, Guano here? No, I'm joking. Leave it. It's good. It's oh, I thought you were serious. <laughs> I was, I was you don't like, have to hey, be hey, Madonna yeah. over here. When you do close on a deal, is there a percentage that the title company gets, or how does that? Oh, that's a great question. Do you question. get the whole amount, or how does that okay. work? What do you, what's the answer to that? Um, well, as far as our assignment fee that we assign with the buyer, we make that full amount. Um, typically, the title company will collect fees depending on like title insurance, title commitments, or escrow fees in general. If there's any like lender docs that need to be prepped for, for instance, we're doing a sub two transaction right now, and we have to get lender documents on that since it's going to be like kind of a wrap scenario. Um, there are fees that the title company will get, but the back end buyer is always going to be the, be the person who pays for that. Oh, so so are- we, as a wholesaler, as a third party middle. We never include those fees. The buyer ends up paying uh, for all of that. Th- those are called closing costs. They'll typically, uh, like she mentioned, they're like attorney's fees, uh, doc, escrow fees, doc prepping. doc prepping, all that stuff. Those are called closing costs. And uh, there's no, there's really no way to calculate what, how much that's going to be. Um, uh, I mean, there's probably some general rules, but you know, you never know what you might run into. Different title issues, you might have to get uh, mobile notaries out there, so that costs a little bit extra, right? So, uh, but you always, uh, you always want to kind of put that onto the back end buyer, which is why assignments are the best way to go when you're wholesaling because there's only one set of closing costs versus if you do a double close, there's two sets of closing costs. Okay. And if you push all that back onto your back end buyer, they're gonna, they're gonna. They're gonna ge- you're gonna give them two sets of closing costs, which is really unnecessary. So, my second question just came to mind: Do we need a real estate attorney? Do you recommend to get one, or how does that? Uh, we typically do all of our transactions through a title company and okay. not a real estate attorney. Um, there are scenarios where you will need an attorney. Um, for instance, like when we have scenarios where we there needs to be lender docs drafted. Those are drafted by an attorney, but the title company will typically use their attorney to draft those documents. Like we have our own attorney that we can use, but it's just easier and simpler for the title company's attorney to draft those documents for everybody involved. Okay. Right. So to clear answer on that is you don't have to worry about getting an attorney. There will be an attorney that drafts stops for all your closings, but the title company will handle that because they usually have a, an attorney that they go to for all their closings. Now, if you have a specific real real estate attorney that you're working with, you can have them work on your file, but it's not necessary, especially when you're first starting. Okay. Just find a good title company. That's the answer. One of my biggest pieces of advice to the the people we train is just just get the contract, put it at title, and let them tell us what to do. They'll they'll pretty much guide you on on where to go from there. Okay. Or get a great closing coordinator. Or get a great closing coordinator like Hillary over here. She's expensive. She is. I'm expensive. I work for free. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so it looks like we had some other questions. So Alex asks, is it a great move to partner with a realtor, and what are some ways uh, we can both benefit? So why don't you take the lead on that one? Is it a great move to partner with a realtor? Uh, You could, depending on what you're looking to do, um, I would... I would partner with a realtor for the sole purpose of getting comps. Getting um, access to MLS. Get, getting access to MLS, right. You want to get 
you want to find out the value of a property. You want to make sure that you're offering the right price point. You want to make sure that you're not uh, overpaying for the property and then you're stuck with a contract that you can't sell. Um, you can do that. You can uh, you can do that and say, hey, you know, for every you know for every run comps for me, and I'll pay you. I don't know. 20 bucks I'm not really sure what the going rate is for running comps um, or you can partner with them and say hey let's uh, let's figure out a way to um, like for example we have we have an exhibit alpha and that that kind of gives us uh, ability to list our properties on MLS anything that we're wholesaling so you could partner with them and have them list it uh, and you know have more eyes on your deal um, but you would have to figure out you know hey, are we going to split this fee? What are we going to do? Are you just going to take commission? What the deal is with that? Uh, so you could partner with a realtor uh, in that sense. It's not necessary, but it, it there are some pros and cons to it. So real estate is a people business. So if you have the opportunity to work with anyone, work with anyone. And uh, agents, you can have a number of agents that you work with. Some agents might get a lead on a motivated seller that they know is, they're not going to be able to sell it on the market as easily because it has major foundation problems and they can't get lending on that house and they know for this particular situation, for this particular owner, it'd be simpler for that owner and their that owner's goals to go with a wholesaler or an investor that can close quick, they might reach out to you. That's where cultivating that relationship is important. But additionally, on the other side of the equation, there's a lot of real estate agents, just like I mentioned the first part of my career, there's uh, a lot of agents that work with investors they have investor clients that are looking for properties. So if you contract a property and then you send it to that agent, that agent might have access to several investors and can bring a buyer to, to the equation and their commission can be paid by that buyer and you don't even have to have them cut into your fee. So working with an agent can be very beneficial and um, effective. Hernando, hey, you gotta ask your question over here, man. Yeah, you gotta stand up and ask your question over here. Yes. He's trying to get away with it. Yeah, look at that. Hey, you're trying to be slick. I if have Hillary the excuse, I'm it. pregnant. It's hard to get up. Where's the camera? Where's that the camera Okay. It's so small. You have a few different questions, so you can just pick whichever one you well, want. Well, yeah. Okay, real quickly, thank you for the, the show, by the way. Okay, hold on. Quick timeout. Yes, yes timeout. How, how much time we got left on the show? <laughs> About 10 minutes? Okay, we got a little bit of time. You ready? Okay, See, you're on. The, I brought you over here for a reason. Yes, you weren't sir. ready for this. I'm glad you brought your coffee so you can have... <laughs> A little bit of uh, you're gonna need it. Comfort. This place makes great coffee, by the way. Oh yeah, Rosella's. Rosella you go Rosella. Quick tip. The bottom Rosella's. of our building on the first. We're on the seventh floor. On the first floor is Rosella. You gotta check them out. Yeah. Okay. So Hernando. Yes, sir. You are part of the Hilco team. You are an acquisition partner. Officially, yes. You've sir. been here how long? Thirty days. Thirty days. Celebration. Can we get some emojis for this guy? Can we get some, maybe the boom emojis or the fire emoji or the celebration? The, celebration. the confetti. Yes, sir. Oh, they had a nice. Do the confetti for Ar one Arnando. Month. Fabulous. Yes, okay. By the way, he's in the comment section. He's Arnando RC. Friend him. He's a cool guy. He's in the yep. real estate space. Okay. Thank you. All right, cool. He wears yellow pants to work. He, he wears <laughs> yellow pants. Good <laughs> comment. That was <laughs> completely necessary. <laughs> that was like out of left field. She yeah. Yeah. It right. got silent and then like, she threw it out that there. That was like a, wow, what? Okay, anyway. You joined us because you wanted to uh, incorporate wholesaling more uh, consistently yes, in your sir. life. And you right. wanted to use that as a stepping stone to do more investing, right? Right, right. Okay. correct. And you're already investing. You had done some mm. deals. Right. You have a long history of being an agent. Mm -hmm. What are some of the big components you've learned? Because mm. you try to do this outside on your own. Right. 
and then you came in here. I'm sure there was a couple different things that you incorporated. What right. are some of the big learning lessons you've had thus far, being part wow. of the team for 30 days? Man, I learned a lot in the last 30 days, to be honest with you, Marco. I mean, the way you guys have it set up structure-wise, whether it's software, the programs that you use, the schedule hours that you expect your agents your, to be in the office, all these little things add up. Um, but, of course, learning the script on the phone with the sellers or buyers, which is critical, and Juan was helpful in that as well. Uh, you, you're staying on top of us with our, with our goals, our weekly goals, our quarter goals, our yearly goals uh, written down, and we, we, we review them as well. So um, I think we're covering all the bases. It's really impressive. Uh, and so I can't say enough. I've learned a lot in the last 30 days. Whereas before, I was out there in, in the jungle, in the concrete, hitting the, hitting the streets and, and knocking on doors and doing what I had to do. But I was just all over the place. Yeah. It was like schizophrenic, you know? So it helped you so, become a little bit more. Schizophrenic, right, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Okay, so it helped you be a little bit more. Schizo, yeah. More focused. What's one, like, technique, mm -hmm. tactic? Right. Maybe a script okay. thing. What's one? Few. Okay, let's, let's do that. Uh, a few things I already learned is uh, always, when you're on the phone with the sellers, always uh, give them a date and time you're going to call them back, uh, number one. Number two, always be closing in terms of on the first conversation, you give them a price on what you want to offer them. And you got to get a price back from them on the first conversation, which, not the second. Which, by the way, um, that's a great learning lesson. It took Hernando a few tries to get that learning lesson, mm -hmm. but he's there now, okay? Yep. He's, yep. He's, a he's a master. Yeah, no, I got, I got a, a, a few great leads. I'm talking to sellers, you know, with you know, multi-unit properties. You're working properties, on apartment complexes already. Apartment complexes, yeah. uh, you know, a whole block full of duplexes. So, yeah, I mean, sky's the limit. And, of course, these calls that we're getting are, they're, not, they're, they're regular calls from the eviction tenant lease uh, spreadsheet. So, the, you know, the leads are out there. You just got to make the calls. What, what kind of work are you doing? Like, you, I know you're making a lot of calls. Right. So about how many Hundreds. calls are you making a day? Well, since, since the last 30 days I've been here, I've made over 400 phone calls. 400 we, phone calls. Yeah. So that's an example. So I don't know how many phone calls that you've been making at home and you're trying to do this and make it happen. That's an example of the type right. of effort you need to put in. And, and he hasn't right. even gotten the contract yet, but he's right. close to a few, but he's made 400 phone yeah. calls and he's right. on his way, not quite there yet. So to put into perspective, you probably need to 10x your goals of wherever you are. Exactly. Okay. If you're making five phone calls a day, you definitely want to be making 15. Yeah, to absolutely. At the very least, increase that and then increase that 20 mm -hmm. to 40. And you're planting seeds. It's all about planting seeds because they may not be interested today, but they, you know, they got your number, they saved it on their cell phone, and when they're ready to have to sell, they're going to remember you and call you back. So I'm planting lots of seeds. Excellent. Okay. So uh, let's answer one of your questions. Right. Which question do you want to go over? Uh, no, one was technical question in terms of, okay, if you're an agent, licensed agent, you have to disclose that to the parties. But what if you're an in inactive agent like myself? I'm inactive status. You know. My understanding is you don't have to disclose that you're, in, that you're an agent if you're inactive. I might be mm -hmm. wrong on that. I, don't, okay. I haven't looked that up in quite some time. All right, that's time. good. Then I don't have to disclose it. But right, since you're with Hilco, you still have to disclose that I'm an agent. Oh, that you're an agent. Yes, <laughs> oh, well, yes, that's on the paperwork. Okay, but gotcha. if you were doing this by yourself, then I, right. I'm not really sure with an inactive status. Okay. All right, thank you. And the last question, hopefully the IRS is not watching because they, they know my name and my Social Security. But like, <laughs> well, I, I think they know all of us. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. that's the truth. But I'm on their special list already. <laughs> uh, like I closed, I did a few wholesale deals on my own before I moved here to Hilco Homes. And when I went to pick up my paychecks, and they were nice paychecks, uh, I asked, do I have to fill out some type of tax form? And they said, no, here's your check. So I didn't pay taxes on that money. 
but I'm asking you now as a as a oh, partner here, acquisition partner of Hilco Homes. All labeled IRS. I mean, do you have to pay income tax? It's, it's kind of a there is a little bit of a loophole there because Ooh. if you get paid out through the title company, they don't always issue 1099s yeah, for issue. that payout, right. and you're like getting a fee from that. Though, depending on what title company you're working on, a lot mm. of them are noticing that and they're changing. <coughs> that. So that's one thing. Okay. But the way we do it is we have everything go through uh, Hilco. Hilco, and then it's a we have it as an S corp. So. I mean, it's getting tight. We show the income anyway through our bookkeeping. Right. Okay. So, good. Yeah. All right. That, that was my question. Thank you so but much. But I'm not a pro in that. I mean, that's yeah. why you got to hire the right CPA okay. kind of thing. <laughs> okay. There's a. If you want to talk about that, there's a CPA named Ed Guerrero. He's pretty good. Ed Guerrero. Yeah. Ed Guerrero. Go see. Over here locally. Okay. Yeah. yeah he's local. He's, he's very good. real estate. Yeah. He's he no. he works with a lot of real estate mm. investors and realtors and brokers okay. and whatnot. So he's definitely. I, I have his number. I can give it to you later. Thank you. Oh. Oh, I told Ignacio. you, Ignacio knows, he knows everybody. everybody. This this man knows anybody and everybody that has to do with real estate. He, holds, he has everyone's <laughs> business guard. cards too in his pocket. Yeah, they're all what in his pocket. What do you mean? Oh, okay. What, what do you need? You I need, got you. Thank you. That's Here. hilarious. You That's looking hilarious. for a good taco? Here. You looking for? A good taco? <laughs> <laughs> I got right, you. Thanks. Ignacio knows anybody and everybody. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay. All right. Let's see. What other uh, what other questions do we have here? All right, hey, I appreciate, by the way, David, hey, David Miranda, I appreciate you jumping in here and watching. I hope you uh, are taking action steps and getting some accomplishments and results you're looking for. And uh, Gladys, I appreciate you and all your feedback in here. Mark, I heard you were in Killeen last time, but Mark's all over the place. He's got investments like all over the country. So we appreciate everyone uh, being involved and, 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 and participating in this. We're gonna be wrapping up here pretty soon. But before we go, I want to get some last uh, feedback from you, Juan, too. Uh, for, okay. We have a lot of people that are trying to get started, a lot of people that are trying to make a transition. Enrique has mentioned that's kind of the transition he's trying to make. A lot of people may have a 9 to 5, and they see his real estate as their, their um, opportunity, their way to get out. So I want you to answer two questions. First question is, what are the key items that you would tell somebody just trying to get started in wholesaling, trying to get into the deal, trying to or get into the space, kind of generating some momentum to get that first deal. And then the second question is, how can someone transition from a wholesaler to an investor since you just recently bought your investment deal? Yeah, I did. Um, okay, so to touch on your first one, some key components to uh, get started. Uh, what I did was there's a few things that I did. One, I started I, I started hitting Craigslist, Facebook, uh, telling everybody I knew, um, and and the main thing that I did was I found somebody who was already doing it, right? That guy right there. I found somebody who was already doing he it successfully. Me. Yeah, I bothered him all day every day. Found somebody who was already doing it, uh, or a group of people that are already doing it and latch on to them and be around them and talk to them as much as you possibly can and pass along deals and figure out and pick their brain and figure out exactly what looks like a good deal, what could be a good deal, who has buyers for what, where, where the sellers are, where, you know, where the hot, where, you know, where the hot areas are, this and that. So networking is one of the biggest things. Find your, you add yourself, we live in an age where information is at the tip of your fingertips, right? And we use it to watch videos of cats. Right. So well, I don't watch videos of cats. I do. I watch videos of you snakes. You do? Well, occasionally. So. <laughs> High five. And, 
Anyways, the, the, the entirety of man's information is at your fingertips, whether it be on your cell phone, your laptop, your iPad, your tablet, whatever it is, right? That's, that's all the information known to man on one little device, right? So you can, and then you've got social networking. You can get on there, add yourself to Facebook groups that have to do with real estate, find yourself some networking events, run out there, make, make time to go out there. Oh, well, I have to, uh, you know, I'm just getting out of work at that time, or, um, you know, I, I get really tired after work do it get out there get out there and meet people and and spread your name the biggest thing like it's like i mentioned earlier the biggest thing in the world that you can do is make sure that anybody and everybody knows what you're doing people who know me know that hey that guy's in real estate hey i have a house that i need to sell or somebody i know somebody that has a house that they need to sell they call me first right they call and make sure that everybody knows this so uh couple components latch on to somebody who's already doing it uh and just pick their brain and just bug them all day every day like a bad ex i would say ex-girlfriend but let's say ex-girlfriend and an ex-boyfriend because i've seen some bad ex-boyfriends too uh, <coughs> not mine personally they're not i've seen uh, them okay. you know they're yes. not good so, clarification yeah thank you uh and like i said social networking um to answer your question about uh transitioning from wholesaler to investor uh, first of all, I'd like to point out that it's a it's an insane concept. Uh, I came here to San Antonio with no money, and then you know, just last month, a couple months ago, I bought my first investment property, and I never ever, you know, when I first started, I ne- I could never picture it. Uh, but the the idea is the way to do that is to always look at every single deal, whether you're going to wholesale it or whether you're looking for funding for it. Look at it like as if it was your own deal. Analyze it like as if it was your own deal. If you're going to go to a property to look at it and you're analyzing it and you're tra- and you're you're going to wholesale it, in your head you need to get in the concept of this. How will I look at this? If I were to buy it, how would I? How how do I want this deal to look? That'll help you with two things. One, uh, getting into that mindset of an investor. And two, generating a good wholesale deal for your buyers. Um, and just keep your eyes out for opportunities. Uh, the way I was able to get funded, so my, I messed up my credit in my early 20s and I'm still working on it. So I don't qualify for hard money loans. And I don't a lot know of Victoria's Secret credit cards. Yeah, a lot of Victoria's Secret credit cards. No, um, you know, just I messed up my credit, bought a couple cars that I couldn't afford, whatever it may be. Uh, from there... Um, so I couldn't really qualify for hard money loans, conventional loans. I knew a few private money lenders, but they only had a certain amount of money. Um, and keep your eyes open for an opportunity. We were actually doing a deep dive wholesale uh, episode. I ran into a guy who was uh, who did uh, lending on purely asset-based uh, deals, right? So no, just minimal credit check, didn't really apply. I ran into him, and I, I got in contact with him, and I said, hey, I've got this deal. I want to look at it. Who was it, by the way, for the people oh, that are looking? By the way, guys, Daniel Fleming at Texas Quest Capital. Guys, it, it's amazing. I, it just blows me away that he was able to put me in a position to where I could pick up my first investment property. Which, by the way, if you're on our investor list with all of our properties, we have a little button that we say our vendors list. And we're just giving that information for free of people that um, are good contacts. We have like probably six, seven different lenders on there. So if you're Definitely. looking for a lender, you can look and, and reach out to them there. Definitely, definitely. Uh, but they, they, you know, I kept my eyes open for that opportunity. I took advantage of it and I said, hey, um, Daniel, I need help funding this property. Can you do it? Three days later, he's like, yeah, three days later, I'm already, you know, I'm already ready to close on the property. So uh, think like an investor when you're first wholesaling, right? Think like an investor, get into that mindset. 
and keep your eyes open for opportunities and just soak up as much knowledge as you can or the main main ways to transition into an investor. Uh, look at every deal as if it was your own and then one of these days it will be your own. So that was just so eloquent and beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you for sharing. You. Uh, did you have it? We're going to be wrapping up. Did you have any final comments or no? no? That was it. Okay. We have no so, more time. So we're running out of time. We're wrapping up. I want to give you, if you're watching, is this the camera we're on? This camera. Okay, this camera. This yep. camera. This camera, camera one. All right, camera right two. here. Camera one. Camera we got two. a bunch of new uh, Hilco Home stickers. If you want one for your computer, your car, just hanging out, you want to be like Ignacio and hand them out to whoever, uh, we have some stickers. We want to give it to you for free. Let us know if you would like one. Message us. Put it in the comments. Say, I want a sticker, and we will make sure to get you one. Overall, we appreciate everyone taking the time to stay on through the entire episode. There was some, if you missed the beginning, go to the beginning. We had some great conversation with Enrique. There's still the training video coming up. We have the training video coming up after this, so you can get a little bit more information, some tactical information. But we appreciate you watching. Deep Dive Wholesale, we'll have another one where you can actually physically be here uh, coming up next month. So keep an eye out for that. Thank you very much. When it comes to driving for dollars, you are spending time to scope out a neighborhood, scope out a subdivision, but you need to have an understanding of what to actually look for so that the addresses you're writing down are actually addresses that can lead to effective and profitable leads and contracts down the road. So when it comes to driving for dollars, there's a few key items that you wanna look for. Number one, when you're first going out there, make sure you're driving slow. There's going to be people fucking on your back. They're going to be avoiding you or trying to get around you, pressuring you to go faster. Just pull over, let them go around you, okay? The focus here is there's a priority of generating the leads and writing down the addresses. It doesn't matter what other people, other drivers are doing. So that's number one, okay? Uh, but the other thing is look for signs of distress in the neighborhood that you're in. And you might be driving for dollars in different level neighborhoods, different price points, so the signs of distress may be a little different. But let's stay, start at the most basic level. Anything that may show distress, which is usually signs of um, physical distress to the house. So key indications are missing shingles on the roof, peeling paint, there might be broken blinds, missing blinds, or even like curtains, uh, not curtains, but like bed sheets in the windows. Uh, other signs are just general disrepair with the house. Maybe there's a broken uh, shutter. Maybe there is, um, you know, other, there's wood rot on the side. Uh, maybe it hasn't been painted in a long time. Other key indications are um, the landscaping, the grass, the yard itself, is it kept? Has it, is it majorly overgrown? Uh, other good signs are broken down cars, broken windows. You, when you're driving through, you're looking for any sort of sign of distress with the home because clearly if they are not keeping up their home, there may be a motivation to sell it or there may be uh, signs of even financial uh, distress they don't have the money to fix the house, so that might encourage them to sell, okay? Now, 
let's say you're at a higher level neighborhood. You got to be a little bit more precise with what you're looking for. Let's say you're in a, a well-kept neighborhood that typically it's homeowners. Let's say it's 200, 300,000 plus type homes. You might not be writing down very many addresses because in those healthy neighborhoods, there aren't as many distressed homes. So you got to look for other telltale signs. This is where the yard is going to be more important. If everyone has their yard well manicured, looking good, and then this one is overgrown, the tree has like crazy branches that you can't even see the house um, and it hasn't been cut back in a while, that might be a, a good indication. Sometimes when you find um, vacant homes, you can kind of look around the sides of the house or even look in the back of the house to have more signs of distress because the front might be um, more taken care of. For instance, uh, the owner might come and just mow the front yard. Maybe he lives in the neighborhood or she lives in the neighborhood, but the backyard is like crazy overgrown. Um, look at those type of things. Look around the fireplace. The fireplace itself uh, has usually has a lot of disrepair because a lot of water gets in that area. So if that's kind of the siding in that arena is uh, rotten or falling apart, that might be another sign. I was actually driving in one of the most expensive neighborhoods of San Antonio. We're talking million dollar plus homes. And I found a vacant house because one of the shutters was missing and another shutter was like kind of broken and some slats was missing from it. So I was like, huh, that looked weird. Even though it looked immaculate from the front, beautiful house, over a million dollar uh, value. But that was like a little sign. So I got down and looked around and lo and behold, it was vacant. We were able to look through some windows. And on that particular lead, we actually uh, saw some permits because a guy was doing some roof work to it. The owner was in New York, by the way. He was doing some roof work to it. I looked at the paperwork of the permit that was uh, attached to the house, and it had his phone number right there on the permit pool. So I got the phone number of the owner and uh, was able to call him and say, hey, do you want to sell? His plan was actually to flip the home. He uh, bought it from New York and was slowly rehabbing it, but boom. Uh, had he been motivated to sell, that would have been a, a huge potential. But that was the smallest indication, which was just a missing shutter that, that led to that. So you really want to look for any signs of distress. The last component is there'll be a lot of homes that are distressed that you're writing down, and people are living in them in that condition. People have all types of different situations and motivations, but there's a lot of scenarios where people actually are living in these distressed homes, and they, they still don't want to sell. But the bonus houses are the ones that are showing distress, and then you go and investigate, you find out it's vacant. Those vacant homes are, you need to put stars next to those because there's a higher probability that the owner of that property wants to sell. Maybe they inherited it. Maybe they live in a different city or a different state. Uh, maybe there's just a financial burner of some sort, and they can't uh, maintain the house, fix it up to rent it out, and now they want to sell it. So the vacant homes are the ones that you really want to star, you want to take some extra attention to because there's a higher chance of motivation there. But as we wrap up, basically what you're doing is you're looking for signs of distress, uh, any signs of distress appropriate for the neighborhood that you're driving through, compile a large list, and leverage that list to be able to lead to your next contract.